Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Pastor Brian, come and share. From Exodus, we're going to be in Exodus 3 and 4. We're going to look at a few of those verses more specifically in a bit. But we're going to talk about tough circumstances. We're going to talk about God calling us in the midst of these tough circumstances and how God equips us to respond. So in a moment, we'll look at a handful of verses in Exodus 3. But before we dive in and read from the Bible, I'm curious, just from a show of hands, has, has anybody been doing any summer reading? Has anybody read a book since Memorial Day? We have a few readers here, and as people are thinking about it, some more hands are going up. If you're worshiping with us online, you can put that in the YouTube chat as well. I would love to know what books you're reading too, not because I plan to read several this summer, but I want to live vicariously through you. I've been thinking as I've passed libraries this summer about how growing up, I would read so many books during the summer because our public library had all of these programs to incentivize kids to read in the summer. And the prizes were nothing more than stickers or badges, but at that age, I would do anything for a sticker or a badge. So I would read like crazy, and I think it kept me pretty sharp until school started again. But I enjoy, uh, I read less books now, but I enjoy a good book every once in a while, particularly in summer, because it reminds me of all the books I'd read at the library growing up. And one of the more captivating summer reads I've had recently was a book called Unbroken. I don't know if anyone's heard of this or read it as a book. It was also made into a movie, but it chronicles a, a man whose name was Louis Zamperini. And it's an incredible story. He was an Olympian in the 1936 Olympics in Berlin, ran the 5,000 meters. That's not even the interesting thing about him. He served in the Army Air Force, and during a search and rescue mission, his plane went down, and he was adrift at sea for, I think, 47 days. He survived, ended up in the Marshall Islands, became a prisoner of war, went through so much, and made it home. That's my cliff notes of the story. But that's the best summer read that, that I've read in quite a while. He was in desperate need of deliverance. God saw him through, and uh, long story short, he eventually became an evangelist later in life and had a huge focus in his teaching and his preaching on forgiveness of all things, which, when you think about what a prisoner of war went through, uh, is really something. Now, odds are none of us here in the sanctuary or worshiping online have been adrift at sea before. If you have, I doubt it was for... Uh, 47 days, direct sunlight, hungry, warding off sharks with an oar. But as we step into Exodus this morning, I want you to just bring to mind one of the harder situations that you've lived through. So just take a moment to think about a time uh, that was a tough season or, or a challenge that you had to endure. This could have been a physical challenge or maybe you were medically stretched to your limits Perhaps for you, as, as you're thinking of that challenge in life, it's more intangible. It could have been the 
emotional load that you carried or that you continue to carry after losing a loved one or after seeing your life unfold not quite according to the plan you had in mind. So I want you to bring those to mind now and and hold that example in your mind as we consider Moses this morning. So this morning's passage is Moses finds himself in such an interesting spot here in Exodus 3. We're going to look at it together. We're going to read Exodus 3, verses 7 through 11. Now, this comes right after uh, the, the famous burning bush experience where Moses uh, is out tending. He sees a, a bush that's burning, but it won't be consumed. And he, he goes over to check it out and has this exchange with God. So look with me here. This is Exodus 3, 7 through 11. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Parasites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? That's Exodus 3, 7 through 11 here. This is God and Moses uh, having, having an exchange after the burning bush. Now, think about the situation that God's people were in. The Israelites were in in Egypt. They were in a tough situation, to say the least. Note how God describes it, too, in verse 7. The people are in misery. God heard the people crying out. God's people are being punished by slave drivers. And God straight up says here that he's concerned. We've looked thus far in Exodus at the situation that the Israelites have been in. And here in in this exchange between God and Moses, we note that God sees the pain of his people. He doesn't end it immediately here, but God sees it, God is aware of it, and God doesn't like it. God expresses a desire to put an end to this pain that God's people find themselves in. So we need to notice this in the exchange and be encouraged that though what's happening on the ground looks like uh, really dire circumstances for God's people, the Israelites, while this is happening, while they're toiling, God is present, God is observant, and God has a plan for deliverance, a plan that he's now here explaining to Moses. So when it feels like in your circumstances that, that you might have brought to mind, or maybe a, a challenging circumstance you find yourself in right now, be encouraged from this passage that God is aware of everything that is going on and that God is also at work in the background. God has plans that he's going to deploy through his people, through Moses that we see in this passage and through us in our lives. So we see in this exchange, a snapshot of the care and of the connection that God has with his people. When we find ourselves in our 
harder seasons in life, we might ask ourselves the question that people have asked for centuries and centuries, where is God? And the Israelites could very well be asking this amidst their situation in Egypt right now. But in this passage, we see that God is there for his people in this hard season. God has plans for good, plans for deliverance, and plans that he is going to carry out through Moses. So the same can be said about our lives too. When we find ourselves asking that question, when we find ourselves looking for hope, we know that God has plans for good, he has plans for deliverance, and plans that he will work out through us. Now, these trying circumstances that that the Israelites found themselves in, they were so far from the end of God's story with them. God has a a chapter that, that continues to unfold page after page in Exodus. We see in verse 8, God talks about a plan that he has to not only rescue the Israelites, but to deliver them to a land that is good and that is spacious and that is flowing with milk and honey. I, I struggle to picture exactly what that looks like, but I want to go there and see what that's all about. Imagine the, the contrast of the oppression in Israel to this good, spacious land flowing with milk and honey. So put yourself in Moses' shoes and hear this promise. It has to sound good. It has to sound reassuring. But then God delivers some daunting news to Moses too. He's going to be sent as the one to lead Israel through this deliverance. Now we're going to consider Moses' response to that in just a moment, but I want you to, to keep at the forefront of your mind situations in your life as well where you're stretched and where you're challenged. And when we find ourselves in those, whether you're thinking about one in the past, whether you're absolutely in one at the present, it's so easy to fall into the temptation to feel alone in them. You could feel like you're drifting at sea in a life raft, so to speak. But we need to keep in mind these words that we hear God speak to Moses in this exchange. God is aware of the suffering of the Israelites. God sees their suffering. God's concerned about their suffering, and God is about to do something about it. God communicates almost all of this in verse 7 here in Exodus 3. So no matter your circumstances, whether they're grim or whether they're grand, God is so near and God is concerned about us collectively and each of us specifically. And so when we embrace this closeness that is our relationship with God, What's going to follow from that is a call. We are going to be called. God is going to call us to act in our circumstances. So we see Moses called this morning. He's called into action on behalf of God's people here in Exodus. And I'm curious, have you all ever been called into action in one way or another? Would love to hear a story after worship if you have one. I've always kind of wanted to be called into action, but nothing's ever really happened. Maybe I should have been a firefighter or something if that's really my desire. But growing up, I was a lifeguard every summer for like four or five summers. And I was so prepared 
to be called into action. This was 10 or 15 years ago. To be trained for this, you had to go to the bottom of the deep end and pick up a brick and swim with it. I think a person would be way heavier than a brick, but that's, that's what they used to train people to be a lifeguard. I worked for five years at it and never got out of the chair. Uh, I did... I was called to action, not at all. The, the only action I was called into was cleaning the bathroom at 8.45 every night before the pool closed at 9. But I was so eager to get a call, and uh, it didn't happen. But it was a good summer job. It still provided gas money for the whole school year. But several months ago, I, it's really the only time I could think of of being called into action. My family, we were at the park in the morning, and we were about to go home uh, probably a half-mile walk, and I see this woman looking out to me in, in great distress. She, she had panic, and she was saying, help me, and immediately I got hit with panic, and I, you know, was taking on her stress, so maybe it's good I wasn't called into action too much, but she, she was freaking out because her dog was having a seizure. She was terrified, and she needed help getting her dog into her vehicle, so I offered to help her and this was a very well-fed lab. So we, we worked hard. We got, we got the dog into the car, and, and I sent them off on their way. And I was far from a hero in doing this, but I felt like I was called. I was able to respond, and, and I'd done something meaningful for that day, and it was only 7.30 in the morning. Now, the call we're talking about when we hear from God is obviously a little different. God calls us to do something in our lives for the sake of others, and it requires us to spring into action. Action in ways that can be life-changing. These are, are real, serious callings. We might be called to help deliver a person from pain, from depression, from not realizing that there's their Savior, Jesus, that they can reach out to to experience forgiveness, to experience healing. God will call us to a person, to a place, or to a season for the sake of God's work in the world. And this is simply part of being a Christian, simply part of being a follower of Jesus is that you are going to get called. You're going to receive a call from God, and we need to be ready to hear that. We need to be ready to respond. If you were worshiping with us last weekend, or if you remember Pastor Phil's sermon last week, he noted that humility wasn't a feature of the faith. It's, it's not something that, you know, some Christians just decide to be humble. It's more a prerequisite. It's something that if we are to imitate Jesus with our life, we are going to have to be humble. And similarly, being called by God is something that comes with the territory of devoting your life to God. This morning, we see Moses, he learns specifically about his call and his purpose in this story through his conversation with God. And similarly, through conversation with God, whether it's reading scripture or praying or simply meditating, we'll have similar experiences where if if we believe the Holy Spirit is at work, we'll hear God nudging us in life. And sometimes, for some people, that happens through friendships, through conversations with others who will help you make sense of what it is that God is calling you to do. 
But if we say that we're followers of Jesus, if our identity is that of a Christian, we need to be ready to receive a call in which God sends us into action. That's what we see Moses doing this morning. In verse 10, God says, so now go, I'm sending you. This is an enormous call for Moses. The population is enslaved. Hope and morale are low. And he's got the task of leading the people to the promised land. So how do we see Moses respond here? He simply asks, who am I? Who am I that you would ask this of me? Who are you to think that I am capable of this task? I'm, I'm just me. Moses doesn't seem, and we can't blame him, but Moses doesn't seize this opportunity and say, let's go, God. But he asks a question that I think might be on a lot of our minds in a situation like this, which is simply, who am I? This is a delightfully, and I think refreshingly, human response from Moses. But we see it now, and it's one thing to, to note the story and carry on, but at the same time, knowing that God is going to call us in some way helps us see an example like this in Scripture and know that we need to be ready to have an informed and a prepared response, one of eagerness when we're called by God. Now, if you're hearing this talk about a calling and think, gosh, that's intimidating. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't know if I'm equipped enough for that. I haven't even read the whole Bible. Know that God has a really cool pattern of calling people who might not identify as being totally ready to take on a calling like that. We heard this morning in the children's message when all those boats were being constructed about Noah. And we see here in, in Exodus this morning, this unfolding with Moses. God later in the Old Testament uses reluctant prophets. There are disciples in the New Testament whose resumes were nothing to tout. And later in the New Testament, we see apostles who stepped out on faith to help heal people, help the church grow, help extend the hope of Jesus without even realizing the full weight of their responsibility and of their calling. So when we talk about calling, if you find yourself asking similar questions, who am I? Or couldn't God be asking someone else to do this? Know that you're not alone in the grand scheme of how God has worked through people in scripture and throughout the history of the church before. Now, the good news this morning when we talk about the situation Moses and the Israelites are in and their calling is the fact that God equips us with tools, the tools that we need to respond to callings. So God equips Moses with a few things that we can pinpoint in our passage this morning with words, with actions, and with allies. We see in Exodus 3 and Exodus 4, Moses is equipped with words, with actions, with allies. And if we take some time to think through this together, we'll see that there are ways that God equips us with words and with actions and with allies. So let's, let's tackle words first. Moses, uh, this story continues beyond what we read, goes into Exodus 4. I would really 
uh, encourage you with some time on this weekend to read in its fullness Exodus 3 and Exodus 4 because it's, I think, a really fun exchange and it's something that we can learn from. Moses asks God, who am I? Right? We chronicled that in our reading. We've talked about it a bit. But as the passage continues, Moses follows up by asking God some more questions. And he essentially says, God, who, who do I even tell my people is sending me? Moses needs something to back himself up. God says, tell them I am sent you. Let them know that I am the God of your ancestors and of your present and future generation. So Moses says, I need something to say to the people. I need some credibility. God gives him exactly what he needs to do that. Moses left this experience with God uncertain that he could even vouch for this experience, but God shows him exactly what to say. God equips Moses with the right words. And thinking about our lives and how we respond to callings, God equips us with the right words as well. I don't know about you, but you might have been in situations where articulating your faith could be challenging or intimidating. Knowing how to exactly describe what you feel like God is doing in your life might be something that makes you uneasy when the topic comes up with others. But we don't need to feel pressure or uh, a huge burden of responsibility in these circumstances if we believe and we trust in God who, through the Spirit in these circumstances, gives us the right words to say. For us to extend the hope of Jesus to someone, it does not require us to deliver the exact, proper statement in articulation of our faith and explanation of God for someone to understand who God is and how God works. If we trust in God, if we trust in the Spirit and the gift of, of God within us, working through us, we can rest in the assurance that God will equip us with those words, just as we've seen God equip Moses. Our words really matter when it comes to responding to our calling and bearing witness to what we do. Our actions absolutely matter too, but our words need to go hand in hand with our actions. We see God equip Moses with these words, and we need to be ready to receive words from God that we can use when we're called and when we respond. There are some sayings you've probably heard growing up that that I heard and, and absolutely loved. Of course, actions speak louder than words. I believe you've heard that. Uh, and one you might have heard in church growing up is a, a famous St. Francis of Assisi quote, preach the gospel daily and when necessary, use words. The implication that with your life and through your actions, you can uh, express and extend the love of God to others. And I absolutely believe in these and I think they lead to great fruits of action. I also think, in, in addition, we need to have words at the ready to both express our convictions and to articulate our hope. Moses needed those words. God provided them as he responded in his calling. In our calling as disciples, we're going to need words to bear witness to who God is 
And God will provide those for us too as we trust him to work through us by the Spirit. So God equips us with words. Be ready to receive those and to use them. Let's think about actions now. Moses is equipped with some wild actions in Exodus 4. So in Exodus 4, Moses really says to God, hey, what if they don't believe me? What if I need to do more to convince the people that I've had this experience with you? And God pulls out all the stops for Moses. He gives Moses the ability to take his staff and change it back and forth from a wooden staff to a snake. He gives him the ability to make his hand leprous and then not leprous. And then my favorite, which I really wish I could see, is he gives, God gives Moses the ability to pour water from the Nile onto dry ground, and then it turned red like blood. These are ways that God equips Moses with these actions to bear witness to and to prove this calling that God has issued to him. God equips us with actions as well when we respond to callings. Now, I'll be direct with you. I have not run into someone in my life with the story quite like Moses's here in Exodus 4. If you have, I would love to hear about it. But the examples I can think about of God equipping people with actions are so personal and so practical. And that's because the actions of our lives change when we align our priorities with God's priorities. It's simply what we do when we follow Jesus. We shift our priorities from ourselves or from something else and align them with God's priorities. And our life and our actions and what matters to us changes radically as a result of that. We act differently. We put others first. And our worship is directed towards God as opposed to ourselves or something man's created. Our actions change when our priorities change, and we don't do what we used to do when we answer a call. God equips us to live into our callings and to do this actively by living in a way that points to the work that God is doing. We see this in the New Testament quite a bit. Some of the writers of the New Testament describe it as bearing fruit, the same way a tree that's good and healthy bears fruit, so does a follower of Jesus. Bears fruit that we hear articulated in Galatians as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Now, Moses in Exodus 3 here, his, his actions, these actions God equipped him with in Exodus 4, bear fruit of his encounter with God. And for us today, when we respond to calls in our lives, we have actions that flow forth in our lives that bear fruit of the ways that we've changed. And these are, way that God's, these are ways that God has equipped us to respond to our callings with actions in a way to very clearly point others to the work that God is doing. So God's going to equip us with the words to say. God's going to equip us with actions of a changed life. And lastly, let's look this morning at allies. After the exchange, I'm grinning because Exodus 4, like so much good happens in it. After this exchange, 
God has with Moses, with these actions that he has to help demonstrate his experience, Moses keeps it so real with God. So all of this has happened, right, that we've highlighted so far. God tells Moses to go forth and to speak the words God has for his people. And Moses asks God to send someone else. He just, you know, is there anyone else that could take this off my plate? Moses is essentially saying, I didn't ask for any of this. And God is not pleased. We see in, in Exodus 4, he's, he's fuming with anger, actually. But God provides for Moses his brother Aaron. And Aaron is going to speak for Moses. God very clearly, as Moses responds to his calling here in Exodus, provides an ally for Moses to carry out his calling. People who have been following Jesus have had allies throughout the ages. And that's true of so many Christians today. God equips us with allies. And it takes some humility to acknowledge that at first because we want to be able to take it on on our own. But the reality is, is that as we respond to calls in our lives, God has allies ready to serve us and ready to support us. We have friends who are strong in the areas when we're weak to be our allies to help us respond to our callings. These could be maybe a spiritual mentor that you have. It could be your spouse or it could be a good friend. But these allies are, are crucial to faithfully responding to the calls in our life. We also have the backing of a church community. It's a beautiful reality when we're committed to a local church to know that we have allies galore. We have allies that we know about. Sure, people we might see in church, we might see in Bible study, we might see when we're volunteering, but the church is full of allies that you don't even know about until you find yourself in a situation where you need them. I encourage you at some point today to consider the question in your head, who is your Aaron? We see the relationship Aaron has with Moses, the way God provides him here in Exodus. So think about who the Aaron is in your life and the ways that they're your ally to help you respond to your call. I, I don't know if this means I need a lot of help, but I feel like I have a deep roster of Aaron's in my life and, and allies that help me. Uh, when every week, I think there's an example where uh, I'm in a point of weakness and Sarah puts the team on, our on her back of our family to, to help us accomplish something or, or just get through to another day. And I have a, an errand, uh, fortunately, that I live with to help uh, pick up the slack when I need it. And Pastor Phil's probably an errand as well. There'll be times when, you know, there might be an obvious solution to something right in front of my nose and uh, instead of making me feel silly, he directs me to it and, and supports me and helps me respond to a calling appropriately and adequately. And I have a, a handful of friends who, they know that they have the authority in my life if I'm saying something that doesn't make sense uh, or if I seem to be pursuing uh, a path that won't lead to goodness can tell me, Dude, you're, you're wasting your time. Or how does that priority align with what you think God's priorities are. We absolutely need 
allies. We need at least an Aaron in our life, and we need a full roster of them to help us faithfully respond to our callings. Think about how Exodus might unfold if there was not Aaron provided here for Moses. However, that is the case, and we see the deliverance of God's people in this crucial scene in God's story here early in Scripture. Now, this example of Moses that we're looking at this morning, it's good to to take it in and to soak it up and see how God worked in this situation. But we also need to consider ways that this affects our life. Moses is called and Moses is equipped. Now, for us, I don't want us to leave without just hearing this reality. It's, it's not a matter of if we're going to be called or will we be called, but it's a matter of, of when and what. It's a matter of when God's going to call us to do something and what that calling is going to entail. And it comes down to how will we respond. So you might be uh, this morning having thought about a tough circumstance in your past. Maybe you're thinking about one in your present I hope that there's people uh, in worship this morning who are thinking, I don't have any tough circumstances. Things are going great. Uh, Awesome. God bless that situation. That's that's a great place to be in. But when something comes, we need to be uh, equipped with these examples from Scripture and with the knowledge of the ways that God equips us to respond to callings. So make sure you're ready to hear the words from God. Make sure you're ready to hear them and use them in your life. Be on the lookout to acknowledge the actions that God leads us into. These actions can point others to God and certainly identify and embrace the allies in your life. If you haven't taken time to consider the roster of Aaron's, do that today and uh, maybe even touch base with them and make sure your communication lines are good because with your allies, with your errands, you need to be in good communication so they can point you in the right direction. And we've talked about how God is equipping us as we're called into specific places and to respond to specific callings. And all of this starts, though, with our first call. The first call that God calls us to acknowledge all that he's done for us the grace that we've received, the forgiveness that we've experienced, and the love that we know. So if you're worshiping with us this morning and you've never turned to God and and committed your life to him, you can do that today. You can talk to me, you can talk to Pastor Phil after worship, or we'd be happy to meet with you this week. And if you have, I encourage you to really seize the moment uh, now as we share in communion together. Remember this morning the fact that we are saved, we are forgiven, and we're redeemed through the sacrifice of Jesus. This same God that we've been examining in Exodus, the same God who's working through the ancient Israelites, who will get them out of Egypt, is the same one who redeemed the world on the cross and whose victory over sin and death he shares with each one of us. So this morning, let's reflect on that sacrifice and give thanks for that sacrifice as we share in communion together. You should have on your seat a communion kit. 
If you do not have one, please simply wave and one of our deacons, Jeanette or Paul, can get one for you. So I encourage you to uh, grab those now and we'll uh, observe communion together as I grab the elements. take the the wafer out of your container there. On the night of Jesus' betrayal, he was with his disciples. They were having supper together. He took the bread, and after he'd given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take and eat, and do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat. After that, in the same way, he took the cup, and he said, this cup is a new covenant through my shed blood. In the same way, whenever you take this, Do this in remembrance of me. Take and drink. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we're reminded this morning of your sacrifice. God, we are are not worthy recipients, but we thank you for the fact that Because you died on the cross once for all, we are forgiven. God, you have been victorious over sin and death, and God, we share in that victory. And this morning, God, we thank you for that as we remember the cross and we remember your sacrifice to us. So God, may the remembrance of this this morning propel us ahead to respond to your calls in our life faithfully. God, help us be aware of situations where you're calling us to act. And Lord, as we see in Scripture, you equip us when we're called. So help us be aware, not only of callings, but ways that you're equipping us to respond to these calls. In Jesus' name, amen.